we need to talk about boys. We need to talk about boys. We need to talk about um, the experience of uh, a young boy growing up in today's world. It's a sensitive topic. We've, we've got the Gillette commercial, the Women Are Crazy commercial that Nike just put out. Um, we have uh, uh, the mere fact that I was talking to a third grade teacher the other day whose daughter had recently committed suicide and I was counseling her. And she's a third grade teacher. They spend 10 minutes a day outside for recess, 10 minutes. Um, we need to talk about boys' development. We need to talk about uh, things that we're taking from boys out of fear. We need to talk about a lot of things that are taking place with masculinity, boys, and the concept of toxic masculinity, and mirroring and matching that conversation, we need to talk about how boys develop gaps that are being created by things that we have been taking away. I'm not saying it should be the way it used to be. And I'm a, I am a, 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 a person who utterly loves and studies the past. People who, who don't know me personally, I am infatuated with Nordic mythology. I live it, I breathe it, I wake up to the poetic Edda. I listen to Jackson Crawford all day. I've led men's groups. I uh, uh, lead boys' rite of passage programs. Uh, I've been a martial arts teacher for over 25 years. Um, I understand the necessity of the warrior concept, masculine energy, the art of rough and tumble, and raising boys to know their bodies. And at the same time, still knowing how to love, respect, and understand content education. But we're not in a place of balance right now with what's going on. The fear of what men have done to women, to society, to other countries that has piled up over the years. It, it, the fear of the thing is no longer bigger than the thing. It's all so enmeshed that the fear of what men can do and what men have done is so convoluted and combined that it's really quite hard to see straight. And then on top of that, we seem to make it okay that we're gonna give these boys these unbelievably violent video games and wonder why they don't know how to talk and have a conversation. So my guest today has just written a book called Generation of Men, How to Raise Your Son to Be a Healthy Man Among Men. His name is Dr. Clay Lessor. And uh, he, he came to me through his PR agent and he and I have been talking, um, get it behind the scenes a little bit. We come from a lot of the same backgrounds. We're not gonna agree on everything, but that is hardly the point because if men can't, uh, uh, agree to disagree and have a, a grown-up big boy pants conversation, then we're going to reinforce a problem that, quite frankly, people like Dr. Clay are out to solve. This is a conversation about boys. Who's going to save our sons? Who's going to tell these boys that that energy, that power, that idea of having purpose, that idea that the experience, the ability of being able to compartmentalize things so that you can get the job done. And everything that goes into that, the archetypal experience of being a boy is lost on modern culture. And here's, here's one of the portals of evidence that I hold. Tell me one myth, tell me one story 
about the grandfather. We've got stories of fathers, but as we grow older as men, the myth changes to the grandmother. The elder is lost. The elder male is lost. Who's guiding these boys? Who's bringing them through their rites of passage? Boys will go through a rite of passage, period. Whether or not men take them through is the issue that we are facing, and it's the issue that we have to solve. Welcome to this week's show, Beyond Risk and Back. Honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way. Great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before, and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed, or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey, and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Dr. Lesser, I, I'm the, the little exposure I've had to your work, I've completely immersed myself in it. Uh, your books are on the way to my house, but I've been to your website. Um, I've been to your Facebook page. You and I, first of all, I, I got to say two words, Robert Bly. <laughs> Iron John. <laughs> Iron John. Okay, we're in it. And yeah. his contemporary, Michael Mead, Men in the Water of Life. I actually was yes. able to have breakfast and spend a few hours with Michael Mead talking about the Pu'er, the Puella, the Peter Pan syndrome. And, and drumming. I like and drumming with him, probably. <laughs> Say again? And drumming with him, probably. <laughs> uh, I haven't. I didn't drum. We actually <laughs> ate breakfast and spent hours talking yeah. about Peter Pan and yeah. Walt Disney's telling of the story. And I teach a class on the symbology of Peter Pan, which I will be taking to Naropa University here pretty soon as I talk about rites of passage. But Doc, I'm going to let you take it from here for a minute. Tell us what you're about and how you got here. And then I'm going to get into my questions because brother, I got a lot for you. Okay. Well, I have the Quest Project, which is a modern day rite of passage program. So the boy has to go in, he has to do his quest, and he has to come out as a young man. So the boy has to leave, the young man comes out. So it's a 10-week modern-day rite of passage, meets once a week uh, for 90 minutes. Uh, there are processes. It's a process each week. So it's not about it, me just being a mentor. That's, that's the minimal uh, part of the program. And so, so how I developed, how I started. So growing up, my father was absent, abusive, violent in a home, tried to kill me. Uh, my mom was broken. Um, she was depressed and she burned down my home. Okay. So then I, uh, I kind of ran away in the air force and, uh, you know, made some messes. And when I, uh, decided to heal myself, I realized I had this wound 
And uh, once I did the work around that, I went back and got the education, uh, did the research, uh, and put together this uh, the Quest project. So since 2000, I've had about 2,000 boys go through it. Did you find that the only uh, rite of passage experiences, I listened to your background and your experience with your father, your experience with your mother, and you said you ran off to the military. Was that your rite of passage? Is that, is that how you see it? Was that your experience? Because that's one of the, the things that modern day rite of passage facilitators are trying to avoid, that using an environment like the military or like a college fraternity where uh, or gangs where debaucherous violent behavior that can actually lock us into adolescence are taking place. However, everybody who's come out of the military seems to have a quite a different opinion about their experience of becoming a man. Was that yours and was that your experience? Well, for me, so the military gave me a chance to get away and, and go through that initiation. Actually, the, the Air Force became like a father figure. You know, I, I would perform and I got accolades for that, you know, and, and in fact, I loved it so much that I went back, got my engineering degree and became an officer, you know, that, you know, um, until I lost my job and, you know, got divorced a second time. Then I decided to go, well, I, uh, I want to do some work on myself. And so I had to choose myself. And then I went off and did my vision quest. So I did a, you know, a, a pretty uh, intense uh, vision, quest pro vision quest process where I was able to actually look at a more the deeper wounds that I had. So that was more formal for me. When you, um, as you look back on your own rite of passage process and the rite of passage process that you've taken 2000 boys through yeah. in your years of doing this work, is it a requirement that the child leaves the home, right? Because we, we have the apotheosis, the death and rebirth that a boy needs to go through to experience the transition from child to man. Does it have to be outside of the home, away from home, out of the country, in another state? No. So my program is in my office. And so they, they, I, do, I, have a, I have a group room. And so it's a circle of boys, you know, and, and I, at, at, at one time I, I thought I was a big hero. I could do I had 12 boys per session. I'm like, wow. So I, I'd be wore out. And um, so I got down to about five or six, pared it down to five or six. So if five or six boys start out, they come once a week for about an hour and a half. Um, and same time, same night, you know, each week. And, and their moms or dads drop them off, pick them up, except for, a significant night uh, the fifth week is a big deal where the, the, it, it, I consider the initiation from boy to the young man when they work around their anger piece. Uh, I ask that the dad pick them up if they're available, if they're, if they're, it's, you know, if they're in their life. And I just had one last week that, that scenario, I had five boys that uh, worked on their, uh, their wound, which included some anger. And it was really neat to see coming down the driveway of my office I bought this house and turned it into office, but there's five dads walking down the driveway and this, I'm walking out these young men to their dads and, up, you know, almost running into their arms. And that was a, that was a sweet reward for me to see all that kind of thing. So, and then, and then at the end at 10 weeks, there's a big graduation at the end, which I invite the community, you know, to see this, to celebrate this, right. You have to have that celebration, you know, and, uh, and it's really neat. And so community gets involved. Uh, it's, you know, I, I may have uh, 10 young men graduating and, and 50 uh, parents and relatives in the audience. There's a, a lot of conversations that start around um, 
rites of passage and stuff, especially where, where I started all of my work was in Boulder, Colorado, which was great because it was it's extremely tolerant mm-hmm. of risky rite of passage work. And the stuff that I've done with boys and girls uh, really is edgy. Barefoot glass walks, fire walks, bending rebar on your throat, breaking arrows on your throat, breaking boards, sweat lodge, um, solos, really pressing the edge of, of will I make it through the night? And of course, everything's very designed so that uh, uh, it can be watched and healthy risk, right? Right. But you're talking about something that uh, the conversation, especially in Boulder, Colorado, always starts with, well, there's a tribe in Africa, right? And, And it seems that the ritual, the ceremony that you're talking about, the graduation piece of the fathers pick us up this night, it's every day for this many weeks, you're creating an environment of ceremony and ritual. You and I talk about Robert Bly and, and Michael Mead, the drumming, right? That was immediately brought, brought up and, and the concept of the symbolism of Iron John. And mothers, I know you're listening. You need to pick up, if you have a son, pick up the book Iron John by Robert Bly, B-L-Y, and read it. It's pennies on the dollar now. It's been out of print for a long time. You can find a billion copies of it. He started the modern men's movement in the 80s. Yep. Um, and it was a big deal. And it still is. And I still give that book away frequently. But here's my question. Are we looking at an environment where Middle Easterns, uh, 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 Jewish, they still have a rite of passage for boys and girls. Uh, 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 the uh, South American, Central American still seems to be able, Native American still seems to be able to have one. Um, and then perhaps in Africa, but Black America and White America has released and relinquished responsibility for having ritual ceremony and rites of passage. Do you agree or are there still some hidden uh, within our culture? Oh, no, I agree with you. I mean, we, we don't call it Boy Scouts anymore, do we? And, uh, you know, and uh, it's, it's perfunctory. It's, it, listen, that's what I talk about. What, all the, you know, all the rites of passage and the religion and the organization seems to be a perfunctory role, but no ego participation. So we've lost that. You have to have some ego participation for, the, for there to be change. Okay, we, you just don't do it for this, for, to do the performance, you know, and that's what's happening, it seems like, with institutions. So, I mean, we need it. I mean, we need it. Some of the institutions, talk about some of the institutions that you're talking about. Be more specific. Well, Boy Scouts. So, so Boy Scouts, I mean, they're, uh, I have Boy Scouts coming in all the time. They're, I mean, it's what badge you're going to get. You know, this is what I have to do. And, and there's mom, there's single parent mom with her son. I'll help you with that. I'll help you get there. You know, I'll, I'm going to, I'll be, you know, the dads aren't present. There isn't, there isn't a, you know, I don't hear hundreds of dads running Boy Scouts, you know, teaching them, you know, how to persevere, you know, and find out what they're made of, you know, search down deep and say, it's a struggle. Get it. Go on. Nudge. You know what I mean? There's not that nudge. So, um, and, and again, in my work as a therapist, it, the ego, so the, you have to have some skin in the game. You have to want to change. You have to have, you have to have a sense of it. It's better for me to do good behavior than just normal, you know, bad behavior. You have to want this. It's, it's going to have to cost you or, or you're not going to get, you know what I mean? So there has to be that ego participation. When an adult, say that again. So if, if they're performing, they're not doing it for change. They're doing it for 
The audience. The audience. Okay. So let's talk about some of the replacements because if adults aren't going to guide kids through rite of passage or if the adults are going to, uh, I call it mattressing, throw mattresses under the butts of our boys so that they are not uncomfortable, that they don't get hurt, that they don't have to press through the gauntlet. Um, What are the replacements that kids are finding? And let's throw some of the obviouses out there like uh, drugs. Drugs is something yep. that is a rite of passage experience because you're experiencing new worlds, you're engaging in risky behavior, and adults do it. Yep. What else? What else do you see as a, a substitute or surrogate rite of passage thing that the kids are gonna kids are gonna go through one, whether adults take them through it or not, is to be seen. But kids will find a way to transition from childhood to adulthood. I see drugs as a big one. What else do we have? Oh yeah, well you know it used to be alcohol too. You know that kind of thing, but gaming. I mean. I mean, gaming is like, it's the, uh, it's everything a boy needs in there, right? He's a challenge. He's transitioning different levels. He's, you know. You're talking about like Dungeons and Dragons or you're talking about like video games? I'm talking like the new video, the video ones, like the newer ones, even the the hardcore, the zombie killing ones, (laughs) you know, all the, I mean, these boys are getting traumatized daily with, I mean, they're, they're getting, you know, vicariously traumatized over and over and over, you know, and they get lost in it. And they, in fact, I had a story. I got a story. One of my clients who has a neighbor that they play video games with, and this is mom reporting this. He, they, the, they both got dogs. The neighbor, both the uh, uh, boys got dogs. So mom saw the son out and he said, listen, what, let me get my son, you know, kind of interview. And so she went in to go get her son. He said, no, I don't want to talk to him. He, he's, it, he's, he's in real life. He's not fun to be with it, on the game. He's fun. I, 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 he's gone. And I, whoa, <laughs> and that's, that's new for me. I haven't heard that one before, right? That's a shocker. So, but that's what's happening. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, leaving the physical world with these games. There was a few years back uh, in the early 2000s, late 90s, I was interviewed because in Boulder, we started having this uh, huge um, um, explosion of fight clubs in the high school. The kids were going around and fighting. And I was like, uh, well, it's a rite of passage. And news came flying over to my facility and was like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. They interviewed one of the girls that went through the rite of passage. It was like, if we don't create something that says you're not a child anymore, you're mm-hmm. a man, they'll create it for themselves. And beating the hell out of each other and shaking hands and being best buds afterwards was a piece of that. We had, there, there was a time where the, you have bros to blows to bruise to bros. You know, you, you fight, you, your brothers, you fight, uh, you go get a beer together and your brothers again. And that's how it's resolved. And now uh, it's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Can't do that anymore. So, so what else are they doing? But, you know, like Fight Clubs was another one in my examples. What else are you seeing? Oh, uh, like, well, the, the vaping, uh, the, you know, the, uh, I listen, I, in St. Louis here, we're getting to fight clubs. I mean, I'm, I've got a couple boys right now that have been sent to me just for that same reason, you know, kind of thing. So they're still doing, and listen, here, here's what you're, here's what's happening. Listen to what you're saying. The systemic problem is what it is, is what we fear, right? So who, who is reaching these boys to give them a healthy rite of passage, a, a, a conscious rite of passage because you're right they will seek a rite of passage that is in our dna we will we will we need as males as boys we need a sense of adventure we need a sense of change and and, and importance and all you put those together 
and we, you know, we have to reach them what they need and we're not doing that. So, I mean, I, I wish I was having conversations with someone like you every day. Right. I mean, that's, that's what's needed. I mean, you're, I've got, I've got a program set up now where I'm setting up to train men, men that are licensed and, you know, knowledgeable and putting them through the workshop, which is a, a modern day rite of passage. I, I have to initiate men to understand what initiation is. Okay. Cause they fear it too. Right. They're, they have to get, understand what is it that they needed at that age and how they got in trouble and go through that piece. So they don't re keep repeating that. And that's, that's what's kind of happened. We haven't had, we don't have enough initiated men is what we don't have. We, did, we don't have enough knowledge of that initiation. So right there, that what you just said right there is the reason is the number one reason why I love being a Freemason is because I've gone through 32 levels of initiation. And anybody can say whatever they want about what they think about what we do in those rooms. You don't have an idea unless you've been in those rooms and have been through those initiations. Yep. And quite frankly, we're not running the world. We can't even decide what to serve at a pancake breakfast, even though some people will be like, how about pancakes? And, you know, but whether we're doing a business lodge or a symbolic lodge or yep. an education lodge or, or, you know, heavy traditional observance lodge. Yeah. Those rituals and those ceremonies call to a deep place in our yes. psyche, yes. and they open doorways that cannot be opened by women. They cannot be opened by gangs, by drugs, by alcohol, by fighting. It comes through, and you said it, conscious ritual, conscious rite of passage, taking yes. us through the door with our brains wide open. And that's the piece that really, really gets hammered home and we miss it. Why are we missing it? Why did we let it go? I have never, I've been to, I've been to meetings with everybody who does rites of passage in Colorado. They all gathered in Boulder. There were 150 people in the room and I'm looking around the room and I sat up and I said, why are we here? There's not one of us that disagrees that this should happen. We all are doing it. We all think it's to happen. What are we going to do about them what why do why have we let this go as a society when we know it's this important what's going on okay well we haven't passed it on we haven't passed on the wisdom we didn't keep up with it we we, we didn't communicate it what do we do we retreated <laughs> we didn't you know we got we got shamed into backing off we were told you know it's bad we got and so we start I want to ask you real quick, because you said something that I, that I want I want to get clear. We got shamed. We're, we're talking about men. Men didn't pass it on. Right. Men, yeah. men, men have not continued the tradition that was bestowed upon us. And I hear men say, you know, I, I, I've been castrated. My, you know, my, my balls, my, you know, my, my wife wears the pants in the family. My yeah. balls are in her purse. I've been shamed. Yeah. I'm wondering, Doc, at what point did men decide that they couldn't go into the damn person, get their own balls back? I'm wondering at what point that we said, oh, I've been ashamed. And we said, hang on a second. Despite your shame, I know the right thing to do and I'm going to do it. Because that was one of the things that we were supposed to, especially if you looked at the Christian mythology, men were supposed to be the final sayer of, of the rules of the house. And if this is something we know, and having been established as a Christian culture in the early days, did we get it shamed out of us or did men let it go? Whose responsibility is this ultimately? Well, I, 
so shaming. So I, I, I don't like the victim mentality. I, I think, you know, that just brings up more stuff. So I don't like the victim thing. I we gave it away. Um, and because we've had some bad apples, I mean, we've had quite a few bad apples that didn't go through the proper initiation phase. So they get more this drama around that. Right. So they get more media, they get more attention. You know, the, the guy who the guy who uh, got drunk in a like my dad got drunk in the 60s. Right. I'm not kidding. So he he get drunk and, you know, slam his car into the uh, 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 light post. And, you know, my mom would take the car and put it in the driveway, leave it sit there until he got back out of the hospital. So, you know, shamed him, you know, like look at, and the neighbors would see it. So he look at this bad, you know, so, and then he was remorseful. He was remorseful. And so he didn't learn from his dad how to properly, you know, uh, be a man, right? He was living off of what his dad taught him. So, we, so it, it, it got worse. It got worse. We, we unthread. We, we, the thread came out of the, of the, uh, of the garment, whatever, and we just thread it out. And so, uh, over time we haven't had the wise elder shaman, like we, you know, like to say, to say, no, 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 come on, come here. You know, let me, let me speak some truth here about this. Let me, let me give you, let me give you some more wisdom about how to, what you're asking is wisdom. What you're saying is how come, why, why don't we have that wise man in here to say, how do we get this out there? Right. And that, all I, that's all I, I've asked that question. How do I get this out there? And listen, I did the program, I've done the book, and, I, and now I'm searching for the next mini me, you know, and try to get that out there so I can get this 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 healthy modern day rite of passage to these boys. For if, and by the way, being on being asked to be part of a coalition at the White House uh, uh, Council on Men and Boys, you know. Um, like I told, they, you know, they were saying that they, they were, they're more politically motivated, but I'm tired of waiting for mentors to show up. I mean, we've been saying this mentor thing, I mean, for years, right? 25, 30 years, the surrogate father figure, healthy father figure, we need mentors to surrogate, right? There's got to be a process. I mean, let's just get to the process. And if you understand what boys need, it isn't what mom and dad's need. And that's part of it. Remember when I designed this program, my research, my development, who I was, my parents were gone physically, emotionally, systemically altogether. So I wasn't going to sit there and say, oh, well, I don't deserve all the information. I'm going to go, I'm going to give it to myself. I'm going to go get that. I had to choose myself. So I went and researched and I went around the country. I went up to Wisconsin to the pride program. I worked with the Crips and the Bloods up there to, on a weekends, you know, that was powerful information gathering that and brought, came back and put this together. So the program is designed for boys. Now, over the, when I first started in 2000, parents would say, listen, I had two parent sessions, opposite their group, parent group. I'd have two parent sessions and they go, I want to be more involved. They <laughs> didn't like that their boys were getting, you know, the adjustment part of this. So I added on parent sessions so I could help them like that. But understand, this is what boys need. Boys need this conscious rites of passage. Parents don't necessarily, quote, parents don't need it. They want their sons to get better. So they'll run to the doctor, the psychiatrist for a pill to stop that behavior. They'll, they'll you know, they'll, hopefully they'll get them into sports or, you know, some kind of a club kind of thing, which does seem to help, you know, research shows. But the bottom line is these are necessary character building needs that boys need to have. And I'm sure you're aware of what they are, but that's, that's the point. And we, we have to have, we have to have the wisdom as, as uh, 
And by the way, I'm an elder now, I guess you'd call that, uh, you know, at 58 years old, I'm going into my eldership, but I have to be, I have to shift, I have to shift my facilitating and my practitioner role to more scholarly role so I can get to the next generation. Because if I, something happens to me, you know, who's going to care besides you, which you're doing a great job, but I, we got to do more of this is what we got to do. We got to get it out there. It's, I mean, we need megaphones. So you're also talking about legacy, which is another, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, masculine concept because we don't necessarily have children that we leave on because it bred into our DNA. Um, what did they say? What was, what would the, the old statistic two out of every five men would die a violent death. Yeah. Um, it, it just, you know, we're, and I'm still talking about tribal and clan mentality, but we were in tribal and clan for a lot of years. So us having a legacy and it's, it's one of the things in a, in, in the have them all that says cattle die, kinsmen die. You know what never dies? A man's good name. And the, you know, this, these are, these are very ancient concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell you, and, and, and I want to, I want to ask you kind of your version of this. For me, this all started with ax throwing because when I was working with uh, boys one-on-one, um, I would, they would come to my office, my house, and I would go into the backyard and there would be three axes sticking in a target. And I would say, well, go get those axes and, and start throwing them. And the boy would, you know, would get very excited. And these are seven, eight, nine year old boys. And they would walk up and the first challenge was getting the axes out of the target. They would say, these are hard. I'm like, yeah, I, I put them in there pretty hard. And so they figure it out. They leverage it. They get it out. They get one out. They drop one. Sorry. It's okay. It's metal. It's wood. We're fine. Gets it out. And then he comes and stands at me. He says, how do I throw it? It's like, you throw it. And so he throws it. It doesn't hit. It throws it. It doesn't hit. And 50, 60 times after throwing it, he sticks it. That's when you just go, yeah, all right. Nice job. Good job. Now do that again. Mm-hmm. Now, I had, and I want to tell this story quick, and then again, I want, I want to get your version. Is it, what are the tactics? What are the techniques? What are the tips that parents can do to start activating this piece that we're looking for? I had a family come into me, and their, their boy, they were terrified. He was adopted. His biological parents were um, uh, 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 hardcore KKK members, uh, extreme uh, neo-Nazis, founders of a gang that did armed robbery. Um, so he had been you know, taken by the state, put up for adoption, and they brought him over to me, and the family was terrified. They're saying, we don't want to medicate him, we don't want to do this, but um, we think he's going to like take a knife to school, like he's one of those kids. And I said, great. I brought him over, and the first thing I did is put a sword in his hand. It's a wooden sword. And we started teaching him sword tactics, did the, did the axe throwing thing, gave him the sword to take home. First, first aid, gave him a wood sword to take home. I got a call from the parents that night and they said, uh, we need to bring the sword back. Uh, he took it outside and he was hacking apart one of the bushes. He got really mad at his dad, went outside and was smashing apart the bushes. And so we went out there and, you know, we had a ceremony for the bush and, you know, we took his sword away. We said, that's not, that's not how we handle our problems and stuff like that. And um, I said to them over the phone, I said, look, the piece that's missing is that you're not giving him the chance to choose a side, like good or evil. Like Mm -hmm. Luke Skywalker was given a sword and a choice and um, he was either going to be Darth Vader or he was going to be the hero. And if you're Buddhist, which they were, uh, 
the, the plants that, that that relationship between your son and the plant was already predestined. So you you can't you can't feel bad for the plant. Yeah. That's your suffering, not the plant's suffering. And I said, but it's time for your boy to start watching Star Wars. And he was a book kid. Both parents were librarians. And I said, he needs, he needs to look at the symbols of good and evil and pick a side. And then we'll know if he's going to take a knife to school. And they said, well, we don't believe in good and evil because we're Buddhists. And I said, your son is nine. He does. And that's a piece that we have begun to miss out of fear, that there are very simple developmental things that get missed if, A, the biological father has fucked off and and the child has no access to this guy um it, it then then there will be gaps b if they don't go through the hero's journey if they don't watch a, a movie like harry potter or princess mononoke or something and pick a freaking side are you one of the good guys or are you one of the bad guys because that's gonna it's gonna play out um we're terrified of boys mm -hmm. boys are scary they're out of control they're violent they're aggressive and they're arrogant mm -hmm. um so when you get a boy into your office who's out of control, violent, aggressive, or aggressive, and arrogant, what do you do with them? How do you start with this? And how do you start with the family? How do you talk them through this? Well, I get the story. You know, I do an assessment. So I let them, I let them speak. You know, where I, what I do is I look for the wound. I look for the wound. Like, what, where, where'd you, where did that, where's that initial wound? You know, and like you're talking about, there's a wound there. And so it, it may take just building a relationship at first. You know, I, it, I mean, that was, that's sweet when you said you gave him, they gave him the, so, I mean, that's perfect. I, I let boys take home punching bags with a bat, you know, the first session because, and you know, dad's carrying it out of his shoulder like that. And he understands, you know, the dad's, you know, he's understanding that kind of thing. So, so it, it's innate. I mean, we are physical, we are visual. And if you, if you have them stuff it, and they will, it will come out sideways. And that's what you're talking about. It won't come out directly. It won't be, it won't be controlled or contained. They, they will try to, you know, don't be messages hurt. That's, that's one of the problems is don't be, you know, instead of what you will be. And that's what you're doing when you, you know, redirect them with the sword. Okay. What will you be? Make a choice. So who are you going to, who, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and, and listen, I had a boy come in who was a foster care, uh, uh, young man, he was uh, 14, 15, and and so one of the weeks I do a goal setting exercise, and the first thing he said was, "I want to be a serial killer." Guess what he is today? A lawyer. <laughs> He's a lawyer today, and because so, because he, he realized that's not a healthy path, you know. We have, and that's the point. That's the point in in a in a, in a healthy rite of passage. You learn how to do good. For the world you're in service you learn about being in service you learn those things you know about how to be kind and humble like all those things so it, it some boys take longer than others some take it's a little more intense and by the way when you sit next i've worked with boys face to face you know they don't we don't talk well you know we don't do i mean they don't want to hear me talk they their 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 attention span is five minutes max i get uh, you know and so there's so the, one of the beautiful things is if you have a process, they're not called out. They're not standing up and being looked at like you're broken. You know, they're just going through a process. So it's more, they can, they can turn that, you know, at 11, 12, we turn our arrows, you heard this term, we turn our arrows outward. It goes from me to we, right? And so that's important that we acknowledge that. And it's messy. 
it's freaking messy for these boys at 11 to 12 years of age. And if we don't have that handoff from the mom to the dad, then they are going to, they're going to go, you know, what they're doing. This is what's happening. I have so many moms who are listening to what you just said. My, my audience is 95% mothers. So I've said this before in other podcasts, dads who are listening to Beyond Risking Back, thank you. Thank you for taking the time and doing the work. Yep. 95% of my audience is moms. And they just heard you say, at some point, the mom passes off the child to the dad. A couple things come up. Uh, dads aren't available. Uh, dad uh, doesn't know how to do this. Mom still is desirous of controlling that relationship experience um, and connection out of fear, out of resentment, out of legitimate uh, um, uh, issues, uh, out of their own traumas from the past so talk to the moms now who are listening to this who have a boy because aggressively, the way you said that, I heard it. I know what it's like with, with my son who's now 22 that when he calls me instead of calling his mom and I'm his stepdad and when he calls me instead of his father because he's got something that's going on, are tightened I, and, and I will fly to Barcelona today to do anything I can for him because that's where he's going to school and he knows that. But now talk to the moms, because it's the moms who are going, you want me to pass off my son at this most it's scary age? How do, you, how do you talk a mom into doing that? So, so I, I keep moms, that's why I have parent sessions, so I keep them involved. So they need to, be, they need to connect somehow. It is, it's, just, it's just that they have to understand that they're, and you have to find that, trustworthy. I always say, get an uncle, get a grandpa. I mean, grandpa, uh, you know, I do, I tell my mom, I say, even interview said, so, well, let's, let's look at what, what an interview process looks like for a healthy man to be in their life. And so, yeah, you nailed all those things that moms are dealing with or, you know, they had a, a bad relationship there, their son, all of a sudden their son starts looking, acting like the ex, you know? And, and so there's, so that, yeah. So then I get that. Um, and, and you want to exercise out that piece and, and guess that's what you're trying to do. And what you're doing is saying, don't be to him. And you're creating, you're setting him up for depression. He's half his dad. You're not going to take that out of him. He's going to have mannerisms like him. You're good. He's going to trigger you. My mom used to say, my dad's name was Russell. Hey, Russell, come here. I mean, Clayton, come here, you know, and, and, you know, the Freudian slip piece. Right. And I mean, to this day, even right. So, so moms, it, that's why the reading, that's why uh, listening to these programs, uh, talking to mom, I don't, I don't come across like, well, you just have to do it. I don't tell them, you know, just do it. Look, we'll take our time. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the, the science. I'll, I'll, I'll explain. I explain every, as much as I can, I explain the processes that, so they know their son is safe. They're not, they're not, I'm not taking and putting an ornament on them. I'm not putting a hole in their nose. I'm not making them uh, go kill a wolf or, or, you know, something like that. It's all the things outside of that that are still necessary, right? And, and so they understand that. And, and most of the moms, when they see the result and they stand up at graduation and they take that talking stick and they look right at their mom and they say, um, my goal is this. You know, my uh, shadow mission is this. My, my mission statement is this. Uh, my feeling is this. And that you see mom's ball at, because they see the change in their son for going through that process. And I tell mom, 
And each, every two weeks, I do a parent session. Most of them are, you can imagine, out, out of the 10 uh, parents, seven are moms still, right? Single parent moms. And I say, this is where your son's at without giving out, give it away confidentiality pieces. But I help them I under, and I help parents to go through some processes so they can be open. One of the things I do is one of the things that needs to happen for all the moms that they're listening right now is when they had a child, they had a fantasy. They had a dream, right? As parents, you take, you know, the child, you go, we want you to be the next, you're going to cure cancer or whatever it is. Well, here they are 11 or 12. And they're still trying to get them back there to that place. And, and so the fantasy has to die. The fantasy. So it's a fantasy has to die so they can see who their son really is. And that's a big change for a lot of moms because they're still trying, you know, I'm not going to let you be your dad. I'm, I want you to be that guy that, you know, I sat in session when I was 30 years old across from my mother. And the counselor said, her name's Doris. Doris, what do you want? I just want him to be nine again. And she busted down. I just want him to be nine again. I want him to be that innocent boy. And that's the key, right? The, 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 uh, the Iron John story. Where is the key? It's under the pillow of your mom, right? And that's the story. My mom, bless her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, she was, uh, my mom and I had a uh, pretty tight relationship. She was a single mom with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my biological father was not a part of our lives and uh, so we had we had those first few years just her and I, and then she met my dad. And I and I I've said this plenty of times. I had an amazing dad. I I had the I had the quintessential dad. He would wrestle with me when it was snowing outside. He's like, "Come on, we're gonna go spin the, the car in the parking lot of the high school." You know, he just he was at every hockey game. He was at every horrid violin recital. He was at every play. He participated he was affectionate he was disciplinarian uh he was honest he was a good hard-working man and uh at 27 years old i realized that i had become my biological father i was strung out on drugs i was absent from my daughter's life i had i had gone through um you know 14 years of 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 uh, more and more uh, using drugs and uh but one thing that my mom did very well, despite what little enmeshment we had, um, she sucked it up. And at 16 years old, uh, they shipped me off to Japan uh, for a summer. And she was terrified. And, you know, at a really controlled environment. I was with a host family that they had vetted. We had had their son out the year before. So it was a relationship. And it was tough on her that they packed me up and they shipped me out to Japan. And while I was out there, I started studying Ninpo Taijutsu or ninjutsu, the art of the ninja. Mm-hmm. I had experience like climbing with no, uh, 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 like a high ropes course, except with no safety gear. You lived or you died. It was Japan. You weren't going to sue your martial arts teacher. <laughs> and so I'm up crawling on these ropes and I'm playing hide and seek with six degree black belts and higher who had the term ninja and, I, ninja and I'm throwing weapons and I'm, and I, got that life and death experience and three in the morning i'm squatted on the side of the road with my japanese friends and we're drinking beer out of the uh machine but the next day we were up early because we had class and there was there was a level of risk involved and there was a little level of pain because i got hurt i got my arm paralyzed for a while by my instructor who broke a blood vessel in it showing me how to paralyze an arm Mm. and there was a ritual scarring that took place 
which is not something we can do anymore. We cannot knock a tooth out of the sun to show them that they are likened to the first man. Right. We can't, you know, give them a tattoo that says he went through the trial and he's a man because he survived. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have the head injury from being, from jumping off the platform with vines attached to my legs or the scars on my back from the sun dance. So what, knowing that we're in a litigious society that has absent men and boys who need guidance, what is the ritual scarring that we can give these kids to show the world that they've been through the rites of passage and they're men now? Well, yeah. So first of all, um, I believe that, that sometimes, you know, the father stands up and, and he does uh, scar his son by saying no. I mean, all boys are, are wounded. So saying no, you know, that's, that's what boys need to hear. They need to hear no, and I mean no. And you're talking about the the story of the axe in the head on the hunting yeah. trip with the father and the son. It's right. One of the best meditations I've done and continue to do with men. Saying no, and and them understanding that they have uh, they are wounded, they are hurting. Uh, the shadow understanding their shadow piece is humbling. So that's a wound. They're they don't believe that they're accountable. So they, so it's more of a psychological wounding is what I, I, you know, do in, in the, in the, the rite of passage that I do. So, and I use that Jungian archetype, the shadow piece, the shadow, you know, the shadow um, the warrior, the shadow, piece, you know, um, how they, how they are showing their, and I use anger, the anger piece, you know, what is it that gets you in trouble with your anger? What is going on there? And, and so that to take that in ownership. So it's, it's subtle, and that's that's what you're. That's what I'm saying. Is it's subtle through each piece of the ten weeks, is that face to face when you say how you know we don't have to have that. I want I don't I don't have to be in my ego and say look at me I got my tooth knocked out because I did the you know did that or you know I don't have to have a scar, but they have to have that wound that psychological wound because it's like the Lord of the flies, right? If you don't have that, what happens? They, they do their, they're going to kill each other. And, and if they, if they, if they step back and, and stop and, and feel that for a minute, then they can say, I can do something so it doesn't happen again. And that's what I, that's what I, that's what I see as, as the wound. If they understand the wound and get it that way, then they can understand how they are, how we're perpetuating that. Yeah, I I mean that's that's it. And I I also see and this this is another one of those concepts that's it's hard for moms to hear. And and despite the fact that they all know what a wound feels like and how much of their brain is hell-bent on making sure that they never have to feel that pain again. Mm-hmm. What I know from boys is when they get wounded, their brain says, "I survived that. What else can I survive? What else yeah. can I do?" I teach martial arts in the facility. I teach a very aggressive style of martial arts. I teach it to the girls because 90% of my girls have been sexually assaulted and I never want it to happen to them again. I want to show them how to take someone of any size to the ground and cause enough pain that that purse does not attack again. And this is going to, this is one of those things that, that parents are going to hear and really start to wonder, but I know you're going to get it. And this is why I want parents to get your book is because I teach the boys martial arts because the moment they can see and feel and experience this 50-year-old throwing them around, they feel safe. 
because they know someone can control them, that they can go into their dark shadow, that they can enter into that cave of the innermost self and rage at the dragon. And then there's a man around who will say, I got you. No matter how far you go, I can go farther because my shadow has been reconciled. I've been there too. This, this is not our last show, Doc. This is, this is our first show. This is, we have so much to talk about and I, we need to do a series for boys. Absolutely. Because, and I want to put it out there. I was sexually assaulted when I was 18 and that, that boy to boy wound that, that wound that I received from a boy who was my best friend and had the exact same name as my absent father. Symbolically. Yeah. The symbolically, there's a lot to go. No accidents. Right. And, and we, need, we need to talk about the wounded boys. We, we need to keep going because I know there's a lot of moms who are going, hang on, there's something more going on for these simple boy brains. We think girls are complex and boys are easy. That's just the development of boys is just different. Yeah, so, you're talking about, you've talked, just talked about the shadow dance right there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I know I'm going to have a lot of parents who want to wanna get your books, go to your websites, talk them through it. How are they going to find you now? Yeah, so I have a website, ClaytonLesser.com. Uh, the new website uh, that spins off of that is TheQuestProject.com, TheQuestProject.com. Uh, and uh, you can get uh, Generation of Men on Amazon.com. Do you have an email address that people can get in touch with you directly? Yeah, so it's at ClaytonLesser.com. It's Clayton at ClaytonLesser.com. So you're sending people to ClaytonLesser.com and TheQuestProject.com. And your book, A Generation of Men, or Generation of Men, How to Raise Your Son to Be a Healthy Man Among Men, is available on Amazon. And I want to say last name is spelled L-E-S-S-O-R. Yeah. Thank you. Doc, Ed. I'm I'm in this with you. I uh, I got some things I want to talk about off air. Yeah. Uh, uh, some things I've recently been introduced to, but uh, more so, I have an old program that I used to run called Incredible Fathers and Sons, and I want to talk to you about uh, resurrecting it. So, uh, um, hang on just a second on the line. But uh, but Doc, thank you so much for your time and and what you're doing. I it's everybody knows it's needed. It's nice to know someone's actually doing it. No, thank you. And I, when I checked you out, man, I got goosebumps. So I just, I just, uh, you know, you're a kindred spirit. So thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. Hang on the line for a second. Moms, dads, teachers, clinicians, you're listening. Uh, for the teachers and clinicians who've been educated on child development, we know there's a gap. And this is, this is, this is how we say that children aren't broken. Boys aren't broken. The system's broken. And our children what we're seeing with these behaviors, this is the result of a broken system, whether it's the broken mental health system, the education system, the political system, family systems, extended social systems. These are systemic failures. And so we have to attack the system. And that's, that's what I think Dr. Lesser is facing. It's not just that he's got a really good idea. This is what we know. We know that boys' development has been set aside. None of this conversation is, is about, you know, girls deserve this too. Of course they do. Of course they deserve the focus and the honor and respect. And we're coming out of a time for a long period of time, arguably 
tens to hundreds of thousands of years of a male dominant society that has been brutal against women, brutal against children, and brutal against other men when we have some disagreements that's stupid like, uh, your God's different than mine. Archetypally, if we set it aside, if we set aside and just swing the pendulum the other way to the other 180 degrees of what it's been, my wife once said a long time ago, and I say this a lot, 180 degrees of sick is still sick. A healthy balance in the middle means we find a way to honor development the individual development, the, the systemic development of boys and girls, the masculine and the feminine brain. And for kids who are gender fluid, gender neutral, uh, there needs to be rites of passage for them as well, led by very conscious gender fluid and gender neutral adults who can really take them through the, the dance, the shadow dance and the awakening, the apotheosis of the masculine and feminine or the balance thereof spirit. And that's what this is about. I don't ever want this conversation to be interpreted as that boys are being denied and girls are being denied. Everybody's being denied. As adults, we're denying ourselves if we don't follow some basic rules. And parents, you know my rule. You take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationship second. Because in that way, we can best and most consciously and effectively take care of our children. I want to thank the boss goddess at Mental Health News Radio Network, Kristen Walker. Um, she's amazing. And I, and I love and respect this woman. And I, and I am so thankful for her support of this show. Uh, my uh, producer and editor, uh, Daniel Cropper. Parents, if you wonder if your child needs residential treatment, our website is firemountainprograms.com. You can check us out uh, there and our Facebook page, Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. I also want you to just call our admissions office and have a conversation with our admissions personnel. Um, I'm not in the habit of, I've never been full. Let me tell you that. I've never been full as a facility and I would rather have empty beds than the wrong kid in the, in the bed. So we're going to have an honest conversation about you, about whether Fire Mountain's right for your family and about whether residential treatment is necessary at this stage in the game. And thank you, parents, teachers, and clinicians for making Beyond Risk and Back the number one parenting show in Colorado and the number one parenting show on Mental Health News Radio Network. Uh, I'm, I'm eternally grateful. Uh, stay tuned and watch for my Parenting Teens That Struggle webinar that's coming up in April, and I'll be doing them quarterly. So shoot me an email at Aaron at FireMountainPrograms.com if you're interested in receiving more information. Dr. Clayton Lesser, thank you, folks. Go to his web, go to Amazon and get his book one more time, Generation of Men, How to Raise Your Son to Be a Healthy Man Among Men. Go to ClaytonLesser.com and TheQuestProject.com. And folks, I will see you next week on Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com. <laughs>